Baby Boomer Tales. Hey, get the... Yes, got the... What do you want? Do you know that Jim makes up words? <laughs> I think I did know that he made up words. <laughs> I remember playing baseball when I was quite young, maybe eight nine years old. I've talked about this before, how I would play down at the baseball field, down at the park. I'd play baseball with my friends all day long. Of course, then we'd play Little League Baseball also. If I wasn't down at the park, I'd be playing catch with some friends somewhere, maybe in an alley somewhere or out in my yard, or by myself. I'd throw the ball up in the air, run underneath it and catch it, all that stuff. I always wanted to go to a pro baseball game, but my dad didn't. He did not show one little bit of interest in sports, period. Not one iota. I feel that your children or your grandchildren, whatever they're interested in, you should be interested in it also. After all, it's not about you anymore. It's about them. But for whatever reason, my dad felt like he had to just work all the time and make it so that we had a home and all that stuff. Or if maybe when he was young, he was ostracized from sports, made fun of. I don't know. He never showed any inkling at all about sports. One little bit. Never. One time when we were older, we were talking about some college football, my brothers and I. And my dad chimed in that Nebraska was the best football program there was. We all looked at him like, who are you? What are you doing in our dad's body? Now, he didn't know who Tom Osborne was, or he probably didn't even know that the Cornhuskers were the mascot of the University of Nebraska or any of that. Before he moved to Colorado, he lived in Nebraska, and he knew that the Cornhuskers or Nebraska University was a very, very good football team. End of story. So anyway... No matter if my dad showed one little bit of interest in me playing sports or me wanting to go to a ball game or any of that, I still love him. Today would have been his 109th birthday. Happy birthday, Dad. I miss you a bunch. On Saturdays, they would have the Yankee Game of the Week on TV. It's the only time I remember baseball being on TV except maybe the World Series. Denver had no Major League Baseball team, so they didn't have local broadcasts of Denver's baseball team very often. They had a minor league team called the Denver Bears, and once in a while there'd be a game on TV, and I'd watch those. I wasn't real interested, but I loved baseball so much I watched every baseball game I had a chance to watch. I would do everything I had to watch the ball game on Saturday. That means I'd have to clean the garage first thing Saturday morning in anticipation of that Saturday afternoon baseball game. In the summer, when those games really mostly were, you know, baseball's pretty much a summer sport, I could get Saturday afternoons off Dad's store because I'd work during the week or whatever. And so I could watch the games there on Saturday afternoon on our TV at home. We only had one TV. 
I think that was pretty common in the late 50s and early to mid 60s. A house would just have one TV. It's not like today. TV in every room, maybe the bathroom, maybe the kitchen. Every bedroom, every family room, every living room, everywhere. It seems that there's a TV there. It's amazing to me. But Saturday afternoon, I'd sit in front of that TV and the Yankee game of the week would come on with Dizzy Dean and Pee Wee Reese calling the game. And I'd sit there and I'd watch the Yankees play teams like the Baltimore Orioles or the Boston Red Sox or the Chicago White Sox. I'd watch Mickey Mantle. He was my childhood hero. Always Mickey Mantle. Roger Maris, those two could hit the home runs. Bill Scourin was at first base and Bobby Richardson was at second. Cleet Boyer was at third base. Tony Kubek was a shortstop and then one year he got hurt real bad. And Tom Tresh moved from left field down to the shortstop position. There's also Hector Lopez in left. Yogi Berra at the catcher's position. Ralph Terry and Whitey Ford were pitchers, and Elston Howard was another catcher for the Yankees. The Yankees really had three very good catchers. Besides Barra and Howard, they had Johnny Blanchard, who seemed to be able to hit 300 every year, but he didn't get to play a lot because of Yogi and Elston. Elston Howard was really my favorite Yankee. Now, Mickey Mantle was my hero, and I love Mickey Mantle. I think that through childhood, I only had one hero, and that was Mickey Mantle. I liked Johnny Unitas in football a lot, but Mantle was my hero. I've spoken about heroes before, and I'm not really sure that hero worship's a good thing, but when you're a 10-year-old boy, and you get to watch this guy once a week, and he hits a 500-foot home run, and runs around the bases like only Mantle could do, well, I was a sucker for that. That's a fact. But Elston Howard was definitely my favorite player. He was the catcher, and he had to be a very good catcher because he played on the same team that had a Hall of Fame catcher in Yogi Berra, and so it had to be hard on Elston. You see, Elston, when he was catching, they didn't wear big hockey masks or anything like that, the catchers back then. They'd had a catcher's mask. No hard hat or hard helmet besides that, just their baseball cap turned backwards. And also to flip his up, the bill of it, he'd flip up. And I thought that was so cool. The reason why, if there was a pop foul or something, you could look up and your cap wouldn't interfere with you looking up as you're trying to catch that foul ball back of home plate there. Elson was a great catcher. I loved watching him catch. He was so good that they did try Yogi out at left field a bit. Yogi did okay out there, but he was built like a catcher and made to be a catcher, and he would have caught every game there was if it wasn't for Elston. Elston played for the Kansas City Monarchs in 1948 through 1950. That was an old Negro Leagues baseball team. He gave up college scholarships to play football from several schools, including Michigan and Illinois. To play Negro Leagues baseball, he must have loved baseball more than football. The Monarchs paid him $500 a month to play baseball. In 1951 and 1952, he was in the military. I believe that was during the Korean War conflict. 
Then he went to the New York Yankees minor league affiliations from 53 to 54. And in 1955, he was called up to the Yankees. He was the first black player for the New York Yankees. And he played for the Yankees from 1955 through 1967. And then he finished his career in Boston in 1968. Elston Howard was born in 1929 and he died in 1980. He was 51 years old. There's a plaque out in the monument part of Yankee Stadium that honors Elston and his achievements as a New York Yankee. He's a 12-time All-Star and six-time World Series champ, and he's a 1963 American League Most Valuable Player. After his playing days were over, he was the first black coach in the American League. I wanted to be a catcher so bad when I was a kid. I knew that's where the action was, and I've spoken about this before. And I told a little story how when I was the catcher and the ball would go in the dirt, I would turn my head and then the ball would get away from me. I'd lose track of the ball. And so Terry, my friend Terry, spent one summer throwing the ball in the dirt in front of me until I no longer turned my head. And I became a very, very good little league catcher. I really did. I'm not bragging or anything. I just was. Terry taught me how to be a catcher. Well, my friend Terry, just a couple weeks ago, passed away. I can always remember crouching behind home plate, giving the signal to Chris as he's getting ready to pitch. Here comes the pitch and strike one. Give him a couple more signals. And here comes the pitch and ball one. Again, ball two. I'd get up and I'd trot out to the pitcher's mound. I'd take my mask off and ask Chris what he wanted to throw. Told him, let him hit it, Chris, if they can. Trot back. Chris would throw another. Strike two. Two and two. I'd get on one knee. I'd give Chris the place I wanted him to place that ball after giving him the signal for a fastball. And Chris would chuck that sucker right in and the battered strike out. I'd take off my mask and put my baseball cap on frontwards then and run out and congratulate Chris for pitching a complete game. We won the game. We beat those kids from the west end of the county. I don't care if they wore uniforms and had spiked shoes. We had Chris pitching and me catching and Wayne at third. By golly, we were a good team. We were. I owe it all to Terry and Elston. I'd spend every Saturday with Elston. I really didn't even know the fight that man probably had to endure to play baseball. I just knew he was my favorite catcher and my favorite Yankee, even though Mickey Mantle was on the team. So, Dad, Elston, and Terry, this one today is for you. Happy trails, y'all. I love you very much. Well, I don't know what the munchies were talking about earlier. They kind of came on and started to make fun of the way I handled the English language. I know what they were thinking, though. They uh, were hanging around, kind of hiding under the tables and stuff here the other night, and they heard my wife accuse me of making up words. She said something to the effect of, Jim, you just make up your own words out of the English language sometimes. 
And I responded to the effect of, I don't really make them up, I just kind of give them a new sound. So whatever, you know, that's just the way I am. And if you listen to this podcast very much, you'll understand what the munchies are talking about. So those guys, you know, I put them on the payroll and make them part of the staff and give them a job and give them a warm place to sleep at night and all that stuff. And all they do is make fun of the way I talk. So I don't know what I'm going to do with you guys. Get out of here. Go on. Go on. I'm trying to record a podcast. The last couple podcasts, I've talked about death a lot. On the last one with interviewing Pop from Kate's General Store, he explained how Homer's daddy had gotten killed in a car wreck, how Katie's mama had passed away, and how Homer's mama had passed on. And so uh, this time I talk about my dad, whose birthday's today, how he's gone. Of course, if he lived to be 109, that'd have been something else. How my friend Terry passed on. Elston Howard tragically died at a young age of 51, and I even mentioned my old buddy Wayne, or Forky, however you want to refer to him as. He's been dead quite some time now. But I want to make one thing clear. Death is part of life, that's fact, but this podcast is about life, and not death, and not about fear, and not about loss. It's about life, and love, and hope, and laughter, and fellowship one with another. That's why I do it, to bring us all together. I hope you understand. I hope you can also see the sunny side of life, even when you're dealing with a major loss. Nobody likes to have to deal with it, and it's sad that we all must, but that's the way it is. It's a circle of life, and the circle will not become broken. It will go on and on, from birth, through childhood, through adulthood, through families and grandchildren, and old age, and then those you love, those little kids you're looking at over there, the screaming and laughing and running and jumping. If they're fortunate enough, they'll go through the same old thing as we are. And all you can say is life is good. Make life good. Make yourself smile, even through the tears. You can find our website at babyboomertales.com. Once you've arrived, we have our Boomers General Store. It's all thing baby boomers that you can purchase. Places and links where you can catch your favorite podcast provider. Our Twitter page and our Facebook page. A lot of pictures of that place I talk so much about up in the north central Colorado mountains. My little old hometown. The town surrounding us and the mountains that have engulfed us. Thank you for riding along today. Always be kind. It's the very best way to be. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.